Welcome to Tights Camera Action, the podcast where three convicted criminals are working time off their prison sentence by talking about comic book movies. My name is Owen Vandenberg and I'm joined as always by my co-host Kyle. Hello. And Steph. Hi. I didn't give either of your surnames, sorry. That's okay. That means you're going to get killed off very soon. <laughs> Uh, as you may have been able to tell from some of my references in the intro, today we are departing from our usual habit of going with older comic book movies and going for a brand new release. We're talking about Suicide Squad. It's a, technically my choice this week, and I thought that considering Suicide Squad came out this week, or the, just the week past, that uh, it's about time we released one that had something to say about co- modern comic book movies, and maybe we could talk about the state of uh, comic book movies in uh, 2016 because there have been quite a few and one more still to come this year. But uh, Suicide Squad, DC Universe, the DC bad guys. uh, And second DC movie this year. Yep, second DC movie after the surprisingly uh, pretty terrible Batman vs Superman. I want to assemble a task force of the most dangerous people on the planet. They're bad guys. Worst of the worst. Was this a cheerleading trials? Hi, boys. Deadshot. Guy shoots people. He's a crocodile. And he eats people. Burns people. You're possessed by a witch. And she's just crazy. What was that? I should kill everyone and escape? Sorry. The voices. (laughs) I'm kidding. That's not what they really said. This is the deal. You're going somewhere very bad. Whoa. Do something that'll get you killed. It's gonna save the world. I can't wait to show you my toys. Let's do something fun. Guys, this movie was kind of perplexing. Here's the thing. It's been railed by critics. People have not been really kind to the Suicide Squad, and which is a little bit surprising because it seemed to be getting quite a lot of good buzz. The trailers were quite promising. The cast is really promising, and the concept was something a little bit different that we'd seen from other from the last, say, five years of superhero films, and so, or even even longer. So there was a bit of goodwill behind seeing this movie come come out and hoping that it was going to be really fun and a bit different. I have to tell you, when I first saw the IMD plot keywords for Suicide Squad, I was so excited uh, because they are based on comic book, supervillain, father-daughter relationship, Ew. reference to Superman, and prisoner. Right. Some of my favorite keywords of all time. <laughs> I've been through each of those separately on IMDb already and seen probably the top five movies in each keyword category. What's the top for father-daughter relationship? I mean, what's... Well, there's a there's a, quite a few Will Smith movies in there, I think. <laughs> I would find. guess Chinatown. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to go with Paper Moon, but okay. Um, so, yeah, it's it's got all of those themes in it. Maybe some more more so than others. Uh, I mean, yeah, I guess Will Smith has a father-daughter thing. Gee, Will Smith is getting really good at playing fathers dealing with their kids. Like it seems, it seems to be a, a, a an ongoing theme in his oeuvre. 
But uh, usually it's just so he can cram his kids into the movie. Specifically, yeah. uh, Jaden. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, his daughter in this is... Not Willow. Not a direct relation to Will Smith, which is a refreshing Nice restraint kind of there. Yeah. Uh, so, look, Suicide Squad, in case you've been living under a rock, came out this year. It's directed by David Ayer. Is that... Are we... We. I should have checked how you say his name. I think let's settle on Ayer for this movie. Okay. So, David Ayer is the director, and uh, he directed a movie a few years ago called Fury with um, with uh, Brad Pitt and Shia LaBeouf. And a tank. Weird. Yeah, and a tank. So uh, that was, and that got good reviews. He's mm. he's got a he's got a not a, not a bad reputation. He wrote Training Day. Oh, did he? Yeah. There you go. Yeah. And uh, so he's got an okay track record. He was brought on by DC to take on this franchise, which is sort of like the anti Justice League or anti Avengers. They are bad guys from the uh, from the DC universe, and I must say, all of them except for Harley Quinn are pretty not famous. Like, these these are people that... I mean, if you thought that Iron Man was sort of... People did, wouldn't have known who that was. Well, gee, would they know who Captain Boomerang is? Would they know who, uh, you know, that, uh, Slip, uh, El Diablo is? No. That was actually a selling point for me because so much of Man of Steel and Batman v Superman was Snyder being so shackled by the image of Superman that people already had and he was just never able to break free from it because no matter what he did, you'd have half of the audience going, that's not my Superman. Whereas there's nobody in the audience saying, you know, that's not my El Diablo. (laughs) That's not my Captain Boomerang. So it it was really... And you could tell he was quite liberated uh, by basically having a bunch of blank slates to do whatever he wanted Mm. with. I also feel like Snyder traded a little too reliably on people knowing the iconography. Mm. Like, I think he both was trapped by it but also was like resting on it too much whereas yeah. this um this having yeah being free of that gives you a lot more potential to tell a story not that they necessarily did yeah i look i didn't i didn't enjoy this um okay. i didn't hate it as much as the a lot of the bad reviews are saying like people are calling it worse than batman v superman i don't no think way. it is no. i think it's fine i think it's aggressively bland that's my impression of it i think it's it's kind of two movies because for the there's like Basically, the first half of the movie, or first third of the movie, is just a big kind of montage of backstories and pulling the team together. And then, as soon as the team's together, they're just thrown into the final fight, which lasts for, like, the second two-thirds of the movie. Mm. And it's just really unbalanced. But that first bit, that montage of, like, pulling the team together and the team's backstories, there's quite a few nice little bits in there. Um, and it's kind of in a, a completely different style because that's where all of the pop songs are crammed into. That's where all of the sort of Guy Ritchie-esque mm. style character introductions and sort of stylistic quirks are, are shoved in. That's where the Batman cameos mm. are shoved in. And it's just so much more rapid. Well, on the one hand, like the action is rapid. On the other hand, nothing really happens because it's Amanda Waller talking with various people about pulling this the team together and the necessity of pulling the team together for like either in a restaurant or in a mm. in a boardroom for just a huge it amount seems of time. Like a lot. I would agree. Like, well, I mean, yes, I think the first third is probably the strongest, but that doesn't mean that I think it was that great either. Mm. Like I, I would, yes, it had some cool moments and it had some nice little, you know, visual storytelling bits, especially with Harley Quinn. Like there was some cool visual stuff happening there, but overall, like it didn't really 
it could have been told a lot smoother. It could have been told a lot snappier. It still felt, um, even though they spent so much time building this team in that first third, I still there were still members of the team that we didn't meet until after that. Mm. <laughs> you know, yeah. so, so yeah, it wasn't I got like thoughts about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so it wasn't like it was. The, the completionist in me wasn't happy because I was like, no, I know that there are more people in this movie and we still haven't met them yet. Mm. And it just sat, it felt very a bit lopsided and, and yeah. wobbly. And, yeah. and, well, and um, Some characters, as you said, got no introductions. Yeah. Like Katana just sort of saunters into shot about 50 minutes in or mm. something. Yeah. And I completely forgot that she was in the movie at all. And she's just sort of like thrown in there. And she was one of the coolest. Like, I liked her mm. a lot. She at least gets like some kind of little flashback. But you know who gets really screwed is <laughs> Slipknot. Well, this is a funny. Kyle <laughs> predicted this. He was, oh, yeah. he, he, he said, oh, I bet Slipknot dies. And oh, I absolutely. bet. And I just, because he was always like the one at the very back mm. yeah, um, yeah. of all of the group but shots. Even his intro, but, like, yeah, so... it was even less served. I guess yeah. we should give a spoiler warning yeah. that we're going to do our usual thing of discussing pretty much the entire plot of the movie. So if you haven't seen it yet and you are concerned about spoilers just because this is a new movie, just, you know, we're going to be spoiling to stuff. The spoiler that Slipknot dies is not really a spoiler. Yeah. But he really gets screwed in terms of the intro because everyone else gets, uh, you know, a nice little flashback, uh, a, a little backstory mm. about who they are and what they care about. And then when he turns up, you know, about half an hour in when they're assembling the whole team and there's a bit of like the like ADR dialogue just off off screen someone goes that's Slipknot the man who can climb anything yeah (laughs) which is not really a power well we need to talk about also I mean what is Harley Quinn's power but we'll we'll... oh yeah well but but yeah yeah, I just want to say like some some characters get no introduction or like a throwaway line of ADR he can climb anything and then there are other characters who get like Harley Quinn has about three different Flashbacks. Character introductions. Yeah. Like, she's her and Will Smith both have about, yeah, three introductions which could separately be, like, their opening shot. Like, yeah. They've got the ones at the very, very beginning of the movie where we see how they are in prison. Then we've got their flashback introductions. And then with Harley Quinn, we've got, like, another flashback introduction which happens, like, towards the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. And it just seems really redundant because... None of them, they're all at different times in the movie and they show absolutely no change or difference and it doesn't really shed any more light on them. Like with Harley Quinn's various flashbacks, all they really show is that she was in this weird twisted relationship with the Joker, but we kind of got that from the first one. Like we don't need to just keep Mm. seeing the same thing again and again and again and it just seemed really redundant when you've got other characters who are just like yeah Slipknot just walks in say says hey guys and then just his head explodes yeah. basically two seconds later yeah so we should probably I mean I've got lots to say about Harley Quinn and the Joker and I mm-hmm. think I think Owen does as well we're sort of looking at each other across the table going like <laughs> I want to say something but I think should we just jump into kind of vaguely going through the, the movie and then we can sort mm. of bring up these things as they come yeah so I missed the first little bit because okay. I uh, left to go get a drink so that I could get away from some teenagers <laughs> Because mm-hmm. um, uh, I'm going to just go on a side tangent yeah. about how about some awful teenagers yeah, in the cinema. Go for it. Um, uh, it's this is just a thing I've noticed among a lot of people, not just teenagers, but I don't understand people that describe what is happening on screen uh, to their friends you might as, as, like a, as a means of conversation. <laughs> but like while you're watching things with yeah. other people, if you're yeah. watching the trailer for Doctor Strange and he's just passed through a portal and looks surprised, and you go. Oh, he's just like, what the fuck? <laughs> Direct quote from these guys. 
And then at the end of I the like yeah, yeah, at the end of the Doctor Strange trailer, there's a joke about oh, that's the Wi-Fi password. Yeah. And then that closes, and, and the same guy goes, oh, that's the Wi-Fi password. <laughs> and I just kind of turned around and looked confused at them. And then one of them said like, oh, that guy's like, look at that guy. I bet he's what if he moves to get away from us? That'd be really funny. And then I moved to get away from them. <laughs> So I went and bought a drink. I came back and changed my seat. But I missed the first little bit. So I yep. came in and Harley's in a cell. But I don't know if there were more things uh, before that. There was wasn't that much more was it before There was that. one quick scene, which was basically the same thing, but with Will Smith. Yeah. So he's oh, just okay. getting jerked sure. around by the same prison guard who right. was jerking around. Ike Barinholtz, the comedian. He, I was like, oh, it's Ike Barinholtz, the funny guy from like Sisters and the Mindy Project. And yeah. he plays like this jerk security guard, uh, prison guard in this movie. That's got to be good money. Like, oh, just getting one, like, a like, small speaking so role in a comic book movie. We should start a, ta- a tally of all of these kind of sort of mid- mid-famous comedians who play, like, character roles in superhero movies. Because there's DC hit- Pearson? DC Pearson, Tim Heidecker, who played oh, yes. in, in Fantastic Four. Um, Ike Berenholtz, I'm sure there are others. I can't think of them. We'll, we'll, in another podcast, we'll go through them, I think. <laughs> this is another example of them. So, anyway, yep. The, Harley and uh, Deadshot are... In um, what is it, Bell? Bell Bell Reeve. Bell Reeve uh, prison in the DC universe. Uh, we're giving some little basic intros into them. Um, we then cut to Amanda Waller, and she gives a bit of a a, 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 a what is it ADR sort of voiceover about um, how. So this is set after Batman versus Superman. Superman is dead. Um, apparently, spoiler for Batman versus Superman as well. Uh, at the end of that, uh, uh, Superman dies. So um, Amanda's whole sort of she's she's some high-ranking kind of government uh, secret service official, and she knows all this stuff. And her whole kind of motivation is that, well, like the world has changed. There are super there are metahumans around the world causing havoc. Our enemies are after them, so we've got to get after them. I have a plan, which is to use some of these villains, some of these metahuman villains, to go off and do the really dirty work that we can't get Superman or Batman to do. What do you Uh, think of the term metahumans? Because it kind of... I can kind of see Amanda Waller using it because she's meant to be like this government suit, and it is a very kind of sort of men in black style word to use. But then at one point, the villain of the movie just throws it out there and she's like all of you metahumans and i'm like wow that doesn't really make sense that she'd be using that isn't that just the usual term in dc universe for any kind of superpowered person though i thought that was like i don't know i I thought that was their go-to word i don't really read much dc so i'm not sure the first i've really heard of it is in the dc movies where everyone's calling each other metahumans and in marvel it's always enhanced like yeah. we've got an enhanced That's I, mean, I don't have any field. more problem with that than than people saying mutant in X-Men yeah. like it's just you know, it's just shorthand for you know you're a person with powers mm. yeah. you're a main character you're on the posters pay yeah. attention to this one <laughs> yeah 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 you're so, on the posters but you'll get killed off because you were only introduced by ADR and yeah. you're in the back yeah. you're yeah. The, like the very further back from the poster so so Amanda is having uh, she then has a scene with her some other government officials where she's telling them about this plan and we, yeah, we get these guy Richie flash where she runs through the gamut of these bad guys who are going to team up. Um, this is one of the problems with not having an established uh, any established characters, but doing a team movie. Yeah. Where um, I, I was curious to see how this 
went because one of the advantages of Avengers is that you didn't have to spend a lot of time on backstory no. because people have already seen the other movies. The flip side of that is people sometimes got a bit of fatigue yeah. getting all the origin stories, but then once you get to Avengers, everyone's on board. Mm. Whereas this, you have to just do a lot of groundwork up front yeah. to get all this out, and I felt like it dragged just because yeah. of how many are in the team. Yeah, it was very orange as the new black. It's like, look at all these people in prison. Here's how they got there. Yeah. And they were all basically just punched by either Batman or the Flash. And they <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, the Flash is in this movie. The Flash keeps popping up. I was um, pleasantly surprised by that, actually. Urza Miller, who, is, who, who seems to be in all of the clips we're seeing also of uh, Justice League giving quite a charming performance as the Flash. Maybe he's the only one with charisma. Mm-hmm. Well, he's a char- charismatic <laughs> young actor and he's definitely got like the chops to do it. But yeah. it's, it's, just, it's interesting that um, he keeps kind of getting thrown in with the quips it seems like he's going to be the quippy one yeah. um but uh, so he he's the one that captures captain boomerang who is a <laughs> who is a thief what so okay go on. Yeah. captain boomerang played by jai courtney yep yep the rich man sam worthington <laughs> now i say that because i honestly prefer jai courtney to sam worthington i do too i think that's fair i yeah. think i actually don't mind him look i think this is the first movie I've seen him in where I was actually enjoying anything about his performance. I've never, I've never disliked a performance by Jai Courtney, mm. but he's always just kind of there. Yeah, I've forgotten yeah. that he's in movies while watching those <laughs> movies, but this time I actually thought he was having fun. Yeah, I, yeah exactly. So. And yeah, this is probably the first movie where he's actually given something kind of fun to act. Mm. And he was fine. Yeah. And, and, and So Captain Boomerang's power is that he's Australian. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> This is it. That's it. He's just an Australian guy. And he like, actually does throw a boomerang. Yeah. He fights and he drinks and mm. that's basically it. They just let loose an Australian into into the States. I did enjoy how he was always like sucking back a tinny. Yeah. Like, like every time it cut to him, he was just like drinking a VB, which yeah. I did enjoy. It was a tall boy though. So I was looking at it going, is that meant to be like a monster drink? Like a monster energy drink instead? <laughs> they never show you what it is, probably yeah. because you can't do like beer sponsorship. I'm pretty sure it is meant to be beer, but it's always a tall boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is not really Australian, but no. I guess it's no, it would be good if it was like a Foster's or a, a VB or a 4X or something. Yeah. It had to be like an iconic Australian beer. But uh, it actually, well, I was going to say, it reminds me of a, uh, there's a an NBA footballer called Della Vadova, I think, or my brother's really into NBA and he recently won, he was in the team that won the championships and uh, on Facebook, it was like at the at the after party, you know, like LeBron James and everyone was sucking back like all of like this French champagne, and it cuts to Delhi and he's just got a tinny and he's like, nice. yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, Australians. Anyway, so um, so it reminded me of that. I like to think they recruited Captain Boomerang from a hostel. <laughs> he's just beating someone up <laughs> in like the shitty pub at the bottom yeah. of the hostel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're like, oh, he's, he seems cool. Yeah. He'd be like he could rob a bank. Yeah. So there's Captain Boomerang. Who else is there? There's Killer Croc. Yep. Uh, he, I mean, I thought his uh, makeup was actually pretty good. Yeah. Looked good. Yeah. Uh, kind of not that interesting. I mean, in the comics, he's pretty scary, right? Like, yeah, he's, he's, a, a he's bad, a, bad probably bad a second or third tier Batman villain. Yeah. Um, you can Like, he shows up in the Arkham games. He's in the yeah. animated series and stuff. So I was curious to see what they did with him. They didn't do much. He barely has any dialogue. I couldn't understand yeah. about half of his dialogue because yeah, of how many filters they put on his Bane voice. Bane voice going on. Yeah. yeah. But not like fun Bane voice yeah. where you can do a bad impression of it for your co-workers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I haven't really, again, read much Batman comics is Killer Croc like an actual bad person or is he more of a misunderstood monster it's one of those like uh, I think they even have a line in this where like they treated him like a monster so he became a yeah. monster but he like, seemed it's... perfectly content to just chill out in the sewer in this and he 
actually, well, I mean, none of them were actually that bad, which is a separate point. But Killer Croc, like, we don't see him do anything. I don't think we even see his rap sheet, Guy Ritchie style. Again, it's, like, very inconsistent. Yeah, you they know don't really this, explain what crimes he's committed. No. You know what this movie really needed uh, was that shot in the trailers of Flag and, like, the other military guy just going through all of the people in the in the folder saying, oh, there's a crocodile, he eats people. Yeah. There's a flame guy, he burns people. Yeah. Uh, he's, a, he's an assassin, he kills people. Yeah. Like, that, that shot was great in the trailers, and that's that could have really benefited in this movie where some people get five flashbacks and some people get zero explaining yeah. what they're actually there for. Mm. Um, again, just like very unevenly balanced sort of movie and team. Yeah. We get El Diablo, who's a, a pyrokinetic mm. dude. Actually has powers. He mm. actually has powers and they're very destructive powers. He's also sort of like this gangbanger sort of Latino like gang member basically. So he's he's got all these scary tattoos. His character is one of the only that that verges on having an arc. Hmm. Like, and we were discussing this as mm. well. Like, his arc is kind of a bit weak as well. Like, what does he actually learn? I debate whether it is even it, an, arc. an arc. But he definitely, he has some sort of inner turmoil going on. And we, we do get to learn a little bit more about his backstory and, and the tragedy of his life. And, you know, that's something. Hmm. Um, so he's he's a little bit better served. Um but he's basically got this guy who can... He's like Pyro or any of those other... Yeah. He, he can shoot fire, basically. He can do other cool stuff with fire, though, like spell out words and make little flame figures. and So it's a little bit different than other flame powers yeah. that have been on screen. That's true. So, yeah, that, there's so he's there. Uh, and then, I, I guess, I, I should we get... So then there's Harley Quinn, right? Yeah. Her backstory is that she was Harleen Quinlan or Dr... Quinzel. Quil- sorry, Dr. <laughs> the Harleen common surname, Quinzel. Quinzel. Yes, <laughs> yes. And the common name, Harleen. Uh, where she was a psychiatrist at Arkham Asylum and was assigned to work with the Joker and fell in love with the Joker. Okay, issue one. Why would you fall in... Like, he is so gross. Yeah, but like, I mean, there, there are people that write Marilyn... Uh, not Marilyn. Uh, Charles Manson like love letters. They also write Marilyn Manson yeah, love letters. Charles Manson people. just got married. Like he's there. There are people that sort of worship these people who are in prison yeah. for. All are of those people history. also prison psychiatrists? Yeah. Well, no, but I mean, I and don't beautiful have, women. I don't have an issue with that idea. What I do have a. What didn't really feel right to me was that she'd fall in love with this version of the Joker. That, yeah. I guess that's kind of my. I point think too. I could see. I, I could see gross. it happening with. Um, Heath Ledger's Joker because his sort of level of insanity and the role he played in those movies, which was to be this sort of an infectious evil who, who makes the world and Gotham a worse place just by his presence and he sort of pollutes everything and drags the whole city down or, or at least tries to. Like, I could see, yeah, him pulling down sort of like a respected sane psychiatrist like Harley Quinn in that circumstance. But Jared Leto's Joker, yeah, he's just kind of like a creepy guy. Yeah. Uh, but I don't have a, too much of a problem with the concept of her falling in love with him. But, of course, where that love takes them is a completely different matter. Well, this is what... The, okay, so now I have to stop myself. How many how many were, How many many times do I get to say problematic in this? In this I don't think movie? you've said it before. I haven't said it before because I don't like the word because it's a, a cheap uh, shot. But I do kind of think that 
in this podcast, we can start to say it in this episode because there are some really concerning things about, I mean, obvious, okay, obviously I'm not naive. I know that the, the Joker and Harley Quinn's relationship is really fucked up and really abusive and not cool, but I was really kind of, sh- I guess because Harley was the main character and we're supposed to, she has this power, she has power, she has charisma, she has likability in this film and she's played quite well by Margot Robbie and but then to see this main character be completely I mean not just abused completely broken down Mm. like so the scene in the trailers where um where the Joker says oh I'm not going to kill you I'm just going to hurt you real bad and when you're watching that in the trailers you're like oh I wonder who he's talking to he's talking to Harley he Mm. I assume that was going to be like a cop or someone yeah Yeah, me too he captures her she's already in love with him he already has her basically and And she's she's helped him escape yeah Yeah. she's helped him escape and then he ties her down Mm. and tortures her until she becomes insane. Like, mm-hmm. I really didn't like that. There's different ways to handle Harley as a character. And um, there's some... De- de- depending on how you handle it depends on how much agency you give her. And it feels like this movie keeps switching between giving her a lot of agency in the present moment when she's with the team. Mm. And then making everything dependent on the Joker um, creating her and sort of mm. pushing her and making her do what he wants. And that was where I had a real problem was that I feel like Harley is a much stronger character when she's being who she wants to be and who she wants to be is Harley rather than being someone that was corrupted and made into this. It's a really like, fine line. It's a, it is, yeah, it it's is really, it's all, like I it's said, gross. I'm, like, I'm, it comes yeah. off real gross. And I think the the funny thing is, is that they went so full throttle with the Joker's torture of Harley in a movie that was so toothless with every other character. Like the Joker is allowed to like, torture Harley in like two different two or three different flashbacks and just remain completely dominant over her even when he's not mm. in, in the in the scene. Yet you've got someone like Deadshot who they're at pains to point out, oh he doesn't kill women and children. So it's okay to like him because he only kills like bad guys. And yeah, everyone is kind of, and you know, El Diablo, his, you know, he was a bad guy, but it's okay because he accidentally killed a woman and a child. And also and, he's very, very repentant. Yeah. And, and, and it's know. like with everyone else, they kind of pull their punch from making them totally bad. Like, yeah, Killer Croc, you know, maybe he, I mean, he's, he's never a really shown. monster. Yeah, yeah. He's never really shown as being a bad guy at all. So with all these other people, they're at pains to kind of give them that little sort of, escape clause uh, of them not being totally bad yet with Harley and the Joker they just go like full on she's being tortured by him until she broke and not only that but she never actually changes like I could see it maybe could have been pulled off if she changes it all throughout the movie but she remains completely the same all the way through and never really escapes the the grasp of the Joker and never really is shown to want to escape the grasp of the Joker. Yeah. So it's it's ultimately just kind of it just feels weird. Yeah, we'll get to we'll get to sort of how their relationship resolves later in the film. But yeah, it's based it's set up in a pretty messed up way and pretty much continues that tone hmm. um, throughout. So, but the other thing just to note is she doesn't have any she doesn't have any special powers. No. I don't know why why Amanda thought that she'd be good on the team. Like, I, like 
Well, they continually, like, they have so many characters telling you, or telling the audience via telling Harley or each other that she's really crazy. They just have to keep reminding you, oh, she's so crazy. Yeah, and she doesn't really do anything that crazy. No, like, she's mostly, like, she's a little bit kind of, um, you know, what's the the right word? Yeah, kooky, I guess. Like, she's really trying to, like, look how weird I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she doesn't actually, you you don't see her doing anything that depraved. You don't see her, you know, eating a kitten or yeah, like no. bashing something. Like she's. Well, she bashes things. She's proficient but she at assault. She's bad guys. <laughs> yeah, like exactly. Yeah. She, you, again, you never see her um, really display any of this derangedness that she's expected to have. But but otherwise, like, okay, she's kind of good at fighting. Hmm. But otherwise, like, I mean, yeah, I just don't understand why she's on the team. Well, of anyway. the whole team, I would, I because I was like going through this. Most of them are not metahumans. No, they're not. Um, the, the, most of them don't have powers. The only two that actually have powers, technically three, but one of them leaves the team immediately and becomes the villain. Yeah. So, yeah. but the, the other two are Diablo can shoot fire. Mm. Killer Croc has some kind of crocodile powers in the sense that you know he can swim underwater and he's you know super strong. He's and has super strong. He has very good bite mm. strength and stuff like yeah. that. Um, everyone else, Deadshot is, is a regular guy who's really good with guns. I'm going to say he's effectively super powered. But he's just good with guns. No, but he's like, when he <laughs> really, shoots really all the good. guns and they're all going through the exact same bullet hole, it's like, that's, that's superpowers. Like, okay. Right. That's effect. That's like, it's, it is that like sort of Hawkeye? Hawkeye has superpowers because the way he shoots arrows are super. Well, that's what I mean. Like, I wouldn't classify Hawkeye as having superpowers either. He's just like, they're, they're essentially peak regular human. Yeah. They're just like well, really, really good at the one thing that they do. And, and, and Natasha Romanoff is the same thing. Yeah, She's exactly. She's really, really She's good just, fighting. Yeah. And um, Harley, no powers, yeah. just kind of has a baseball bat. Yep. And, mm. you know, a cool wardrobe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Captain Boomerang, he's Australian. Yep. <laughs> That's it. Yep. <laughs> uh, Katana doesn't have any powers herself. She has a magic sword, mm. um, which... But she's she, kind of like Deadshot and Hawkeye. She's just really, really good. Yeah, she's very good with the enchanted sword, but yeah. uh, she doesn't have any powers. Slipknot, good at ropes. That's yeah, actually and his power. Climbing. And climbing. No, but that's an extension of the rope thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, I looked up the character because I didn't really know much about Slipknot, and he's known for inventing a special kind of rope. And that's oh, basically okay. it. He's just really good at ropes. Okay, the rope guy. I wish we yeah. saw that flashback. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why they didn't do it. So anyway, Amanda, so then I guess we get... Oh, and then we're also introduced to, and you you sort of mentioned, so Enchantress is another one. So uh, Cara Delevingne, is, uh, she's a supermodel, supermodel in real life, and now she's an actress, and she plays a archaeologist, as you know, supermodels do, and she goes uh, into the wilds of South Af- South America or somewhere like that, and comes across this ancient witch totem, mm-hmm. and it in, uh, it uh, possesses her, and she becomes enchantress. So she's an archaeologist. She comes across it. She picks it up. Snaps its head off, <laughs> snaps yep. its head back like a Pez dispenser, yep. as, as archaeologists do. True, true uh, commitment to archaeology. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Also, fun thing with casting uh, uh, supermodels as scientists, as movies always do, they give her glasses so that you know she's intelligent. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. So she is then sort of possessed by this evil witch, uh, this evil ancient witch. And uh, then we're introduced to this other character, Rick Flagg, played by Joel Kinnaman, who is legitimately a great actor and pretty good in this movie as well, but just, again, probably underserved. And he um, he is assigned to, by, by Amanda, he's like this a Navy SEAL, like best 
mm. best soldier in the world type. This dude. was the role that Tom Hardy backed out of. Mm. Right. He was he was cast as the, as Rick Flag, and yeah. then he uh, bailed for scheduling conflicts. But apparently, it was because he hated the script. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. Um, and then so he came. So he then a- approached. So he's then assigned to um, look after her name. The doctor, <laughs> the archaeologist's name is Doctor June Moon. June Moon. Yeah. <laughs> That's not the movie's fault. That's from the comics. Is it? Yeah, okay. it is. Yeah. So June Moon, uh, he he uh, he falls in love with the archaeologist, like the, so that this this host of this witch, uh, and sort of so it's not only just a job for him; it's now personal. He mm-hmm. cares about this woman and her safety. Uh, so, but also, but Enchantress is one of the main metahumans that uh, Amanda Waller uses to display the power that these. These, um, if if these metahumans are under the control of the U.S. government, they could go and get Iran. Iran was it Iran? Yeah, Tehran. Yeah. yeah, but like, do they? Okay, so they have nuclear weapons now. Do they have it in real life? They they have a folder <laughs> from their weapons vault. Yeah, that's yeah. what they that's what they steal. Yeah. So uh, so she does she does that. That folder might have nothing in it. <laughs> I've got to say, like, I do. I I did really like the the enchantress. Uh, effects and there was a couple of really like cool that. scenes where they hmm. where they where she took over her body and yeah just... the transition thing where the yeah. the, the other yeah. hand comes out yeah. takes her hand and switches it over and then that's how she sort of morphs that was cool yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. there yeah. was look I, at one point I did I did sort of whisper there are glimpses of an interesting movie here just to yourself uh, I, 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 <laughs> just say that out loud yeah <laughs> I'm just sitting in the sitting room going there are glimpses of <laughs> and uh, and like a few, and then <laughs> these teenagers behind me are like, "Let's move, to this crazy person." And, and, and yeah. then I high five them as they came and yeah, sat with yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so I did think there were some glimpses of something interesting, but yeah, it's sort of. I wish Enchantress had actually been a part of the team. Yeah, that would have been great. So then, what happens is she sort of escapes the control of Rick Flag. Well, oh, he, no, he she... lets her. He lets but, her go. But no, but there's a point where she escapes. She just gets up. Oh, she just yeah, wakes yeah. up. And I mean, of course she does because she's a really, really powerful and he's just a dude with a gun. Yeah. Like, of course she could just take her. Like, he, he's no match for her. Like, she's got really, really quite powerful powers. And she goes and gets her brother and... and um, Who uh, is but, also in a doll. Yeah. Uh, f- but which was just being kept on a shelf. In Amanda yeah. Wallace's, it, like... Like walking wardrobe mantle piece yeah 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 so she um she releases her brother uh into the uh, mid what is it mid city uh midway city midway city hawkman's home oh there you go a lot of dc heroes have designated cities that have these really generic names Mm. it's like placeholder city like coastal city and central city right 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 midway city is hawkman's right domain well then where was hawkman in all of this uh, probably. Well, the the trouble wasn't in the sky, so yeah. it definitely is though. It's very sky focused. There's oh, a big well, lightning bolt going that's, up. Well, uh, that, maybe it's, it's got a... the compulsory beam of light coming yeah. up, but yeah. the actual the actual fighting's on the ground. So right. it's like, what what's Hawkman gonna do? Maybe that's what he was doing. He's just checking out yeah. the garbage. Yeah, yeah, it's like, up. I'm following <laughs> it up and up, but I can't see any bad guys here. <laughs> Come on, Hawkman, you can yeah. do this. Oh, <laughs> flap harder. <laughs> 
This is why everyone makes fun of you, Hawkman. Yeah. Get it together. Oh, poor Hawkman. Um, so, so basically, that that releases the big bad, which is her brother, and then eventually her. So she um, she escapes. They're very generic about what they're trying to do. Yeah. yeah. Well, this, the the villain is very weak. So basically, yeah. Enchantress becomes the villain. She she gets her heart somehow. She she gets her heart or gets. She gets power from her brother and starts to create. She says, "We're going to create a machine. They worship machine now. Machines now. We're going to create a machine." And but what that is, I don't really know. Basically, what she creates is yes, a big beam of light into the mm. sky, which all mm. superhero movies seem to have these days. So there's that, and we're just so that's when that's when the team is brought together to take down this what they're told is a terrorist threat in in midway city except they're not brought together to take it down they're brought together to extract a high value target from the city and then just go home yeah there's a weird like unfocused kind of mission for them where they get they get told very briefly like oh you're you're here to extract yeah this one person but we don't tell you who it is and the whole time they're talking to amanda waller by by skype Mm. and um and then as they're flying into the city, they're like, what's that? There's a giant bolt of lightning coming up out of the city. Yeah, and they're like, yeah. oh, terrorist threat. I don't know. And they're like, okay, fine. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. No one, and then once they actually rescue the high-value person who turns out to be Amanda Waller, yeah. then they decide to go Which check out the... Which was so disappointing to me. I yeah. was really expecting there to be a cool twist. Like that, that the movie was hiding something from from us, and that there was a whole new. There was either a superhero that we hadn't seen before, yeah. or some sort of really. Mm-hmm. I didn't. I don't know who. At this point, I also whispered to myself, "Who do you think they're going to? They're going to escape? What and if my, it was Hawkman? <laughs> it should have been Hawkman." And my um, invisible um, movie going partner said, "I don't know," <laughs> and I said, "Oh." So yes, I, I really wanted to uh, know who that was. I, I don't know. I just was so disappointed when they opened the door and it was Amanda Waller. I was like, oh god. I her thought revenge. that was like really clear. I didn't even realize that was meant to be a twist. No, I like, was I quite thought confused. It was, yeah. I'm, I'm a dummy because I didn't really see oh, it coming. Oh, okay. Um, I thought. Yeah. I, we don't really get into like counterfactuals or like what they should have done, but I found it impossible not to start like re- redoing the plot on the fly. And I think. What would have made it so much better is if the the threat they were taking down was just like some other kind of black ops government unit. You know, keep it kind of bland because the movie is really about introducing the the Suicide Squad itself. Mm. So like Guardians of the Galaxy, you just have like a stock villain. And then instead of, uh, who is it, Rick Flag or Jack Flag? Rick, Rick Flag. Flag. One of them's Marvel. Um, instead of... Uh, yeah, instead of Jack uh, Rick Flag uh, sort of leading them on the ground, uh, they should have had like Amanda Waller accidentally get stranded with the squad, and they have to like bodyguard her through the city because she was so much more interesting than Rick Flag, and it would have been interesting to see her like descend from her ivory tower and actually end up in the thick of it in the squad, which she'd already said she's gonna like throw under the bus anyway, and. Yeah, I just think the Enchantress should have been on their team rather than the bad guy. Uh, and I don't know. I think, yeah, as Steph said, there was like really good ideas and moments in there, but it just didn't really come together. Like it just felt by the time that they actually see that bolt of light come up into the sky from that moment, from that moment onwards, it's, it's just really kind of bland. Even, mm. even the fight scenes are mm. really kind of nothing to... Nothing to get excited about. It is hard not to go Monday morning quarterback with this yeah. movie, just because there are way- there's enough 
tempting in there of like there are good moments there are good touches to it there's lots of character potential that's a good concept yeah exactly there's enough that you can look at it and go well if you just fixed a few of these things it could be a pretty watchable movie yeah and like I got uh, the impression from the trailers which is obviously completely wrong I thought the villain of this was going to be the Joker I thought that they were actually meant to be going after the Joker to take him down. Well, that's that's why it would have made sense to have Harley on the team. Yeah, which is what I think every. Which is why I think a lot of people were thinking that because they were like, yeah, yeah, Harley is just a crazy person with no real superpowers. So you don't put her on a team unless she's going to bring something like insight into the Joker. Yeah, yeah. and or, the fact that they've like, got everyone on the leash with the little explosive charges mm. in their necks would would be enough reason to be well. That's why my, why she would at least be pretending to go yeah. along with it until they get. There and then she'll turn on them yeah. or whatever. I feel I feel like that's a no brainer for a more interesting story. Well, and I think one of the and that again comes back to we'll, we'll come back to the Joker now. One of the big problems with the movie is the is Harley and the Joker in general. It's not interesting. Like he he all he does is break her out twice. Like I thought he'd be so much more menacing. I thought he'd be so much more. He doesn't need to be in the movie. He doesn't need to be in the that's movie. The funny thing like, is this Side plot. His but. scenes were apparently really cut down to the point where Jared Leto is like kind of whining about it online saying that he was basically cut completely from the movie, but it still feels like he's in there too much. Like it's just, he should have been in there either a lot less or a lot more. But as as it is, it's just another like unbalanced yeah, subplot. Yeah, he would have been so much more scary and powerful if he'd been in much less. Like mm. if we just he'd, they had sort of glimpses of him or a couple of really really scary scenes of him. With the but, story they tell, I think it would have been better to just have him in a post credit sting hmm. to just not even have him in the movie because he doesn't do anything that actually affects the progression nah, of the plot. He's just in flashbacks, basically. Yeah, except for yeah, like, I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's in flashbacks, and then when he busts Harley out, and then she immediately gets back on the team because the helicopter gets shot down exactly and so really you could have just had him breaking her out of prison at the very end and that's mm. your introduction to the joker come see our batman movie or something you know that, yeah. that could have been another scene which was in the trailers but which wasn't in the movie of which they're a surprising amount of mm. is um the squad kind of together in a building and they just hear the joker's laugh kind of echo yes. through the hall and you can just see them all shit their pants with fear and i think harley goes oh we're yeah. in trouble now and uh, it's like that would have been cool yeah, like, like if, if we'd never saw the joker if we only sort of got his presence through how broken and screwed up harley is and we're just like from that he's built up into this massive sort of powerful threat and then you just hear his laugh echo through and it's like a movie monster basically hmm. where you don't even see him but just from everyone's fear of him, you just sort of get a sense of how terrifying he must be. And then, yeah, maybe he, like, busts her out at the very end if they must sort of go back to having Harley just be his sidekick yeah. and toy. Yeah. So so basically, like, the, this mission to take down Enchantress is the movie. Like, mm-hmm. this is the other thing. They don't have multiple... They don't have multiple like sort of uh, missions. They don't. It's really the movie t- takes place probably over a total of about four days. Like, oh, if if that, like if, the squad's only together for one afternoon. Okay, we've had a, a guest join us on the on the table. <laughs> it's my cat. All right, we'll put her down. Get down, Bella. All right. Just to clarify, Steph did not uh, put her cat down. No. Is, <laughs> no, now she's we'll have to put her down. She did not mean. Right, she'll be she, quiet. Okay, be quiet, Bella. Uh, so we, so yeah, that's, that's the movie. And again, like, I was just sort of like, is this it? Like, and, mm. and it's funny because like when they, they, they arrested Amanda Waller, like, yes, the, 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 the plot is, their mission is kind of 
obtuse to them and it's obtuse to me like I was I didn't really know what was going on and then it's sort of like revealed that Rick Flagg had sort of lied about how Enchantress got out like he told Amanda and the team that she just escaped but in reality he let her go Mm. because he wants her to be safe they want to they want to like basically stop the Enchantress together him and his girlfriend and but it's like again that wasn't very clear the flashback didn't actually seem like much was different. Mm. Like when he goes, oh, this is what really happened. It was like, like an extra 15 seconds. I was like, and more than that, he never actually gets called on it. So what's the point of calling attention to the fact that he lies if no one ever finds out that he lies and it's ultimately inconsequential because they stop her anyway? Another so thing- there's no reason to include that and another thing that kind of never pays off is something you mentioned Kyle that like throughout the movie Deadshot sort of says to people did you just threaten me and like <laughs> but like, and he's like oh you're gonna get it and that never pays off no. like he yeah. never he, you never see him rain down on anyone um, for threatening him and again like and also the sort of they they sort of right towards the end have they have a seat that they kind of they disband because Rick had lied to them uh, and then they all have a drink together in a bar and then they all sort of get all mushy and they find out about El Diablo's really sad past mm. and they sort of bond over that. Well, it's one of the few moments where the characters actually interact. Yeah. yeah. Which is like, suddenly it feels like you're watching a story again. It feels, it comes yeah. very late in the film yeah. though. And it, it sort of, I don't know, like I still felt like it, I didn't still quite understand what they all were doing it for. And then they just go and Rick Flair comes in and he's like, well, yeah, I'm sleeping with her and that's why I care about her. And like, so this is personal for me. Hmm. And then they all just sort of get mushy and decide to help him. And you never really like that transition of them all being at, like all being fighting each other and being like, you know, I don't want to be here to, hmm. yeah, we're a team. We're friends. Well, more than friends, family, as El Diablo said. Yeah, <laughs> God, that's very fast and furious. Yeah, I was going to say, does the rock come in yeah, and yeah, yeah. hijack an ambulance? Oh my God. <laughs> to, to, Double tap a drone. To build on that, uh, one of the reasons why I think their whole coming together at the end felt false and the whole idea of them sort of having this little crying circle Mm -hmm. where they're all confiding in each other and sort of getting sentimental. One of the reasons that rang hollow to me is because they were never actually antagonistic towards each other. Like they were never bickering, they were never fighting. And so there was never any sense that they'd actually overcome anything to come together as friends and allies. Like, and this is something that's really basic and I I know a lot of people online are saying, oh, why are people always comparing this to like Guardians or uh, Avengers? Like it, it should just be able to be evaluated on its own merits. But one thing that Marvel does know how to do in any sort of ensemble movie is you have all the people who are going to team up at the end fight each other at the start. So mm. they meet, they don't get along, they punch each other up, they face a bigger threat, then they know... They learn to unite and then they actually come together as a team. And that that feels more earned because you get to see them actually change. Even if it's just from hating each other to liking each other. But Suicide Squad just doesn't have that. Like, they're thrown together as a team. They say, okay, we don't have a choice. Then they eventually get the choice and unite and and take down the enemy. But it doesn't ever feel like they've come together as, like, Mm. a family. Or (laughs) even as, like, friends. Yeah. Like, why, why is, like... Harley Quinn kind of like patting 
Killer Croc on the shoulder and Killer Croc and Deadshot will exchange like a nice smile and uh, it's like they, they've barely just, like they've been together for like two hours just like we're told that Harley is crazy but not shown it we're told that they're friends and a family so many things shown. in this movie are just like stated via characters rather than actually being established yeah or so I mean then they just they take down Enchantress by sort of working together El Diablo <laughs> sacri- sacrifices himself for the team he also turns into like a sort of Fire He's got god a skeleton with a big like headdress thing on. That yeah. was like Maya. Was that sort of kind of the fact I'm that he's sure. Mexican and it was sort of an, an well, Aztec were, thing? They were right? speaking the same language. He was speaking the same ancient language that uh, the Enchantress was. So it's implied that he's like a an avatar for a god Some from other the god. same. Yeah, yeah right. I was very. Yeah. I, I felt like I should have. Uh, like take an issue with it but wasn't sure how to like in which way I'm supposed to say do you know what I mean like yeah. this, it felt is this like, racist it felt like this is probably racist in some way but I don't know in which way it is it didn't yeah. bother me I was just I actually thought that was kind of cool okay. uh, I, I, I didn't really like the guy he was fighting though that big walking sort of Incan or man or whatever it, god who was just I know her brother who was just kind of there and he just looked like a video game boss he looked like um the bad guy in thought you know that big the, the destroyer the destroyer yeah. in thought it reminded yeah. me of that but yeah um so yeah he, he they 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 blow him up with a bomb under oh yeah uh, um, Scott Eastwood is in this movie as who which one is he's he? like the good looking he's like Rick Flagg's second in charge oh right okay. and he he's the one that goes and plants the bomb with uh, Killer Croc underneath right. the thing. Well, we also get. A, I was going to say the world's tiniest bomb. Like he was <laughs> yeah. building it up as like this bomb is the we we left a huge bomb in this place which could really take out like mm. the enchantress in a giant beam of light. This is the thing that looks like a Roomba. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, And then when when they're about to detonate it, he's like, okay. Everyone get to the other side of the room, and then they just walk about three feet, and it just goes, and it just takes out (laughs) takes out this god. But it was seriously like a little little puff of smoke. It was like a prank bomb. It was like. Yeah, it was. Yeah, such that cool. would have been something where the Joker could have had an effect on the plot. Yeah, yeah. Like, he's put a prank bomb in there, yeah. and then like a little confetti comes out and a little chattering teeth. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Something. Well, like that. that would have probably taken out this god as well. Like, <laughs> yeah, well the, t- the little chattering teeth just grab his ankle, and he's like, ah! <laughs> and then he's like just out rocking on the ground for mm. the rest of the movie. Well, there's a bit before that where they're they're about to attack Enchantress and her brother, and um, uh. She knows that they're there and she does some mind powers yeah. on them mm. and like makes them all see what they what really they want, want. Yeah. And, and it's a nice little kind of like, you know, no, fight it, it's not real sort of thing. Yeah. But I was really disappointed because they go through like Deadshot and he's like having a happy life. With his... All of them just want to have families is what they're yeah. implying, which is, you know, um, but yeah, Deadshot's hanging out with his daughter and Harley is like... Well, um, she actually presses a button on the dryer. On the, on well, the to dryer call back to an earlier normal. line on her yeah. dialogue of normals are setting on a dryer, and then that's, yeah. yeah, so that. But yeah, she has kids with um, Jared Leto as he appeared in American Psycho. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just a different it's version. Like, he of just Jared looks Leto. just as creepy. Yeah, that. <laughs> um, and then but then they they show like one or two others. I was really disappointed they didn't show Captain Boomerang. Yeah, because <laughs> I really wanted it to just be him fighting people and yeah. drinking. Yeah, yeah, constantly. yeah, just like, like on the Sydney Harbour Bridge, yes. <laughs> like just like. Like throwing back titties and like just getting into brawls with yeah. people. Yeah, and like Kangaroo Jack is there. Yeah, 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 <laughs> like, yeah. You know, he's just like fight, he's just like jumped along in a, in a kangaroo's pouch, yeah. <laughs> like getting to his next thing. Real missed opportunity. <laughs> so, um, 
Yeah, they they fire and they you know they beat Enchantress. Yep, and they throw uh, they they throw plastic explosive into the yep. into the beam of light, and uh, then Deadshot and then shoots it. Deadshot shoots, which it. is another thing that happens in Fast and Furious Seven. Uh, oh, what throwing the throwing a bomb oh, and then yeah, the, right. and then the rock goes bam. Ooh, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, that's right. It was better yeah. in that movie. Um, but then there's this weird there's this weird thing where. Um, you know, it's all happening in slow motion, and then the uh, Deadshot's uh, daughter yep. appears in front of him, and you know it's Enchantress, but she's yep. like basically going, "No, Daddy, don't. The only way you can save everyone is to not shoot it." Or so it's this yeah, weird yeah, yeah. kind of last effort kind of um, a- attempt from Enchantress, which is fine because you know it's a vision. But that effectively puts Will Smith in the in the sorry Deadshot's uh, in in this position where he his triumphant moment has to be going. Fuck you, daughter! (laughs) I don't listen to my kids! (laughs) Exactly. Is that really the heroic moment of triumph you want? Yeah, 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 exactly. If that was what he'd been struggling against the whole time, where he just wanted to kill people and his daughter kept telling him not to, and that was the point of his struggle, then sure, that would be... Yeah, well, I mean, he already... already well, he did listen to his daughter to yeah. not like the first time where she said, "Please, Daddy, don't," and yeah. he did stop so that mm. Batman could could beat him. And now, yeah, it just it. Oh, yeah, oh. that was the weird thing. She stands in front of Batman so that he can't shoot her. Batman's a good like three feet taller than her. Yeah, and he can and shoot him like right the in the best, jaw. He's like the best shot in the world. <laughs> yeah, he could easily shoot yeah. Batman. Look, yeah. Oh, yeah, Batman's in this movie, by yeah. the way. Yeah, a couple times. A couple, couple times, times yep. yeah. So Ben Affleck's in this movie. And then... Uh, I would expect him to show up on a lot more TV spots after the bad reviews have come out. But mm-hmm. now they're going to start being like, oh, also, come and see Batman in yeah. Suicide Squad yeah, in theatres yeah, yeah. now. Well, this is the other thing, yeah. So Batman is shown to take in Deadshot and um, Harley and yep. the Joker, or just Harley, actually, in one in one flashback scene. But, like, so in this flashback scene, it's, it's you know, there's Harley and the Joker are just, like, in... In nightclubs doing their thing. Yep. Like, how long do they do that for before, like... I, I, I didn't mind that because it was that sort of crime boss setup. Yeah. Where yeah. You, crime bosses are just hanging out and the cops can't go after them because they're, you know, but for Batman whatever reason. Can. Yeah, Batman has no jurisdiction. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just yeah. thought it was weird that I even got to that stage. Like... Well, no, it's, it's fine because the Joker just... The idea of law enforcement just does not phase him at all. No. So he'll just do what he wants because as soon as they put him in Arkham, he'll just break out. Yeah. Like it's just completely. He just like strolls through life on like god mode because yeah, it's like no one's ever going to kill him, and Batman's like- just going to throw him in Arkham. But it's it's funny how making Joker an actual crazy mob boss instead of just a crazy guy, uh, how how much less threatening that makes him. Like, when he's in the nightclub sort of dealing with other criminals and they're all kind of coming up to him and talking about, like, I don't know, crime deals and things, it just turns him into, like, it turns him from this terrifying, like, figure of insanity and terror Mm. and all this sort of stuff into just, like, a really annoying mob boss. But, like, yes, so The Dark Knight... Part of what made that performance in that movie so amazing was that that was that incarnation mm. of the Joker in this under this 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 chaotic like there is no rules he's just this crazy dude. But is that that's not that true to the comics though? The oh, comic, well, there've been so many different I know, incarnations the, the, of the Joker. The, the, the Joker isn't traditionally like that though. The Joker mm. is traditionally more like a mob boss, like a. Uh, yeah, a professional criminal. He's the clown prince of crime. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, I'm saying yeah. It's, it's it so might be a valid is... in, a valid adaptation, yeah. but I'm talking about like what works in on the big screen. And to me, 
turning him... I don't know, it reminded me of that line from The Dark Knight when Batman's talking about taking down the mob and talking to Joker as if he's, like, a hitman for the mob and Joker says something like, don't talk like them, we're not like them. And in this movie, like... Yeah, Joker is like them. And that, to me, just makes him a lot less... I know iconic and yeah. a lot less a lot less of a an interesting character. I in in one sense I don't mind approaching the Joker as being less iconic in general if you're setting up a shared universe mm. and you're coming off um you know you, you're the next Joker after Heath Ledger. Yeah. I yeah. kind of feel like it's maybe a smarter move to not make him the biggest villain. To, you know, like, the, yeah. he's already going to be iconic no matter what because you're dealing with that history. He's the one villain everyone knows. Yeah. Um, I didn't mind that sort of taking him down a peg and maybe he's just in this world. Mm. That kind of works for me. I agree. I, I didn't mind that. In a lot of ways, I didn't mind the, the Joker. It's like Jared Leto's Joker, I'm sure, will probably come back in, in more movies and oh, yeah. be interesting and probably a good villain. But in the. So there was that, that incarnation of the Joker, I didn't really have much of a problem with. I, didn't, I thought Jared Leto seemed to be doing an okay job. But it's just in this film, you're, just how he was used was. was, yeah. was yeah. We've already discussed, was weird and, and kind of stupid. But the. the, the I'm not. I'm not unhappy with this incarnation of the Joker as a whole, and I'm. And I'm. Sh- I would be happy to see him come back in another in another hmm. movie. But in terms of positives, I really liked uh, Amanda Waller in this, and Viola Davis as well. Mm. Uh, I thought her character worked really well. Uh, I thought she like was probably the best actor in it, and. Well, she's a great actress. Yeah. She can't and, really do anything and wrong. And there's that great bit where she, um, in when they're extracting her from the conference room, and she has a true villain moment where mm. she just shoots everyone else in the yeah. room in the head and just for den- uh, for deniability yeah. and for keeping the secrets. I thought that was a great little yeah. you know, moment of like, oh, okay, this is clearly not... And actually some of know. the best, some of the funniest moments were Will Smith to her. Like yeah. when he him sort of like you're an evil bitch and like why aren't you not dead yet like a lot yeah. of the stuff like she oh that was gangster like <laughs> he you know that like that was uh, that that was good mm. I enjoyed that another thing I enjoyed I did enjoy the cast in general like I thought they were all pretty good yeah and everyone's doing their best it's I, a good cast and they're really trying and they I don't yeah it, the problem isn't them the problem no. is is the, the the script and the, the film in general so much of this feels like there are just a bunch of individual plots or storylines going on that never cross over or interact mm-hmm. so when you get brief moments of characters actually talking to each other and affecting each other it's a real shining moment because, because so much of it is just kind of people on their own track yeah and 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 you get to see these kind of cool character actors doing doing cool stuff and yeah. having fun like i mean will smith and i was, I was talking we were saying this last night again to myself um that Will Smith, like this is the, this is, might be apart from Ben Affleck. Will Smith is the biggest movie star to really take on a superhero movie. Like most, like even Robert Downey Jr. was not at that level. No, he became uh, like he, he used to be huge. Then, mm. but he, was, he was never as huge as Will no, Smith. No, no, no. And then and then he was kind of nothing, and Iron Man brought him yeah, back. Yeah, and yeah, Now he's massive, but he's massive because. Of yeah. Iron what about Man? Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart? Well, they no, they're not big movie stars. I mean, Will Smith is like Tom Cruise, like uh, George Clooney, Brad Pitt, yeah. Will I mean, Smith. Like these are were... big, big names. What? And Will Smith was a big name, like. In the last 10 years, yes, he's probably hasn't had the best career, and this is a bit of a comeback, but certainly 
he's a huge star. Yeah, he's, he's a true very, movie very, star. Yeah, he's mm. a true... And he had he has that charisma that a true movie star has, where yeah. you can kind of just stick the camera on him and he just... He just does him, his thing. Yeah. And you want to watch him. like, mm. And that's... Uh, it was interesting to see... I'd say he has much more of that quality than even Ben Affleck. And he, he it was just interesting for me to see a movie star of that of that level play a superhero. I don't mm. think we've ever seen that before, really. We've seen m- maybe them pre... Like, George Clooney was once a superhero, but he wasn't that big then. Mm. So it just... I don't know. I thought that was interesting. And he was great. Um, you know, uh, yeah. So I, I thought... And Margot Robbie was awesome in the scenes that she did. And she did the best she could with a character that was... Yeah, unfortunately, really, really um, sort of badly serviced, I think. So so how would we um, rank Enchantress's plan? I don't know what it was. It's very, just like, I'm going to destroy the world yeah. with this thing. Yeah. Uh, so I guess I can't fault it because I don't know, don't what know the, enough about it. Yeah, I don't know what its positives <laughs> or negatives were. It's a... Yeah, I, I agree, but... Again, I don't know, like, what do you guys think about the comparisons this is drawing with Guardians of the Galaxy? The unfavorable comparisons. Well, do you think it's, it's fair enough to compare the two movies? Given that they're both, you know, kind of ragtag group of misfits stories, I don't think it's unfair to... I, I, I think it's pretty inevitable to draw that comparison because they've come so close after mm. each other. I feel like Suicide Squad probably got greenlit because... Guardians mm. did so well, people were like, well, that's a thing yeah. that we can do in our universe that can have a similar tone. But then they didn't... Uh, I don't think they pulled it off no. to be as entertaining as Guardians But also, did. Guardians, they weren't bad guys. Like, no. this is the thing. Mm. Now that, that Yes, they were anti-heroes, potentially, but they weren't... And they could have made this so much better if they'd really made them bad guys and really played Mm. up this sort of like bad guys doing good how does that work like that would have been so much more interesting Mm. i think make it a smaller team would have been more more effective like maybe five maximum because guardians is only five yeah and And to me this movie was much more yes it was like and also because it uses pop music muses over 10 but unlike guardians the music is a it's just like gold 104 hits like Mm. it's not they're not like guardians chose old hits but they chose sort of hits that were not as popular like it, were, it was also inherently tied to, to the, the story yes, because yeah. of which the, the makes mixtape. it much more and justified it, whereas this is just put in there yeah. yeah it was tied to the story and it also served a specific purpose in the movie uh which uh, james gunner said that he chose really recognizable classic rock songs and pop songs because he was dealing with such an unrecognizable set of characters and settings and sort of plot devices. So it was sort of an anchor to sort uh, of bring it back. I don't know if I think they were that unrecognizable in that movie. Yeah, but I mean, that, he's, he said that they chose those songs I because I, you've got a talking tree trying to save a planet from like a big blue guy and the pop songs serve to kind of like tie it back to something, you know. I think you should do me. Guardians on this because I think I would have something to say about, I don't know if I think it's such a, as good as you do. Well, I'm not, I'm not saying that I think it, you know, whether it needed it or not, yeah. but at least there was some thought behind why they yeah. did oh, I, I Whereas with yes. Suicide Squad, it's no. just in the first three minutes, there's like, well, in the first three scenes, there's three different yeah. songs. It goes, and- goes from... Um, uh, you don't own me to sympathy for the devil uh, uh, to oh, what's the no first? the first one was um, House of the Rising oh, yeah, Sun the like, song, like, they're, yeah. they're just songs like, no, they I don't missed really... that one I was getting a drink yeah 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 <laughs> I like that song. But, That's a good know. song. Anyway. Um, I, there was one that the use of Seven, Seven Nation Army really bugged me because um, just because of how they put it in 
like there's dialogue going on that is as loud as the song yeah. in that scene, and it I really f- feels like they f- just tacked it on. Yeah, because finding it, that quite jarring. And it's, it's even dialogue. It's dialogue. It's in the trailer of uh, Harley saying like uh, doing the the dumb joke about the voices. Like, what's yeah. that? I should kill everyone. Oh, just the voices in my head. And there's pauses in between her dialogue, which in the trailer works fine because that gives it a rhythm. When you've also got the white stripes cranking at yeah. the same time, it takes all kind of. It doesn't even feel like you're really watching it. It feels like you're watching the trailer, but someone nearby has seven nation army playing on their phone yeah <laughs> so it just it, yeah. no i know it, it yeah there's lots of things that were look i didn't hate this movie i didn't hate it i, I know a lot of people did I, I did there were parts of it that i enjoyed um one other thing is that like there were parts where i felt like they thought it was really cool like the mm. that they thought they were being cool like especially the harley fight in the elevator where it was like you were supposed to go wow she's really badass mm. but really it just sort of fell flat a lot of the jokes fell flat there was just a lot of sort of like mehness in this film. And yeah. it was sort of, I think you said it at the beginning, it's like just a, what was it? A, a aggressively bland. That is what I said, mm. yes. Yeah. yeah, and that is what it was. I feel like a lot of it, it almost has this weird feeling of like suits or someone just, just pushing these things at the camera going, is this what you want? For God's sake, tell us what you want. Is this what you think is cool? We don't know. Just fucking watch it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there is a bit of that. Like just throw a bunch of stuff against a wall. And yeah. It's yeah. like all glazing, no donut. Like, there's so much, like, colour and music and mm. not as much slow-mo as I feared, but, you know, stylistic shots and, like, the little uh, words popping up on screen with the little logos for their faces and then there's just nothing really behind it. I will say, visually, I thought it was mm-hmm. pretty good. Yep. Like, I liked how most of it looks. You've got the characters themselves being very brightly coloured against pretty drab backgrounds. Mm-hmm. I kind of... I like that sort of yep. yeah. feel that it gave to it. There are good things in this. I think if you, I think if you're keen to watch it, like check it out. Oh, absolutely, you might, you will get something out of it. It is part of the wider DC universe, which I think is definitely in trouble now. Like, I really want to give them like more slack because I feel like I'm, I feel like we're always shitting on the DC universe, and like a lot of DC fans have a real thing about this that that because we're all pretty big Marvel fans mm. here. Um, but and I just, I really want to give them more slack, well, but it's not working. I want to like these movies. Same. I, I don't. Yeah. I, I, I. I want to see think... good DC movies. I really yeah. do. It's, it's great that they're not bound to the same exact formula as Marvel because every single Marvel movie follows the exact same formula. It just happens to yeah. be a winning formula. DC goes off the reservation and gives so much more liberty to its filmmakers, but it just hasn't. They just happen haven't happened to make a decent one yet. Really. I don't. I don't know if I agree with that. I don't think the issue is giving filmmakers more liberty because I think it's very clear that DC have some sort of. Like, if anything, that like yes, they've given uh, Zack Snyder a lot of liberty, but what has happened is that it's made Zack Snyder sort of dictate what the DC universe looks like and mm. feels like, which I think is... Uh, the, obviously, the DC filmmakers did that, have let that happen. Yeah. And I think that's really unfortunate. And it, so it's sort of... It's, it's a combination of letting one director and a bunch of suits decide a direction mm. of a whole franchise instead of one producer david feige with a vision and then giving each director their own little version Mm. of that Mm. formula which is what marvel have done and that model works so much more successfully because Mm. you do get different colored films Mm. yes they're all connected and yes there is a a consistency across them but i think the marvel universe films do feel different in their own way yeah but not that different like and and ant-man is always going to be the biggest example of that like 
you could tell that like DC's approach, yeah, is to let but Zack Snyder loose, whereas Marvel just couldn't bring themselves to do that with Edgar Wright. So he ended up leaving the movie, and they they got someone who was willing to conform to House style. Yeah, sure, but that's it's it's not like are you saying that the Marvel films have the same um, similarities that the three D because like. Um, Man of Steel, Batman vs Superman, and Suicide Squad are all very, very visually like they. Suicide Squad could have been directed by um, Zack Snyder, in my opinion. Like it looks a little bit like a Zack Snyder film. It looks a lot mm. like a Zack Snyder film. I mean, I'll be interested to see what uh, what um, Wonder Wonder Woman is. The ads don't look like it's much different mm. visually. I'll be interested to see what um, what Ben Affleck does with his standalone film. But I, I just. No, I, look, yes, obviously Marvel are, ve- are very strict on what they tell their directors to do and their directors have to toe a line. But the films still feel different. Mm-hmm. I think they do. To a degree, yeah. I don't know. Way, way more than DC for me. I think a key difference is that Marvel is running their own studio. Yeah. And DC is still, like, they're, they're not doing their own... They don't have their own studio. They are going through Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers yeah. And Warner Brothers seem to not really know how to make... You know, uh, at least a shared universe of superhero movies. Well, they don't have a Kevin Feige. They don't have a yeah. guy who's sort of the the architect of everything. Exactly. It feels like that's a real. That seems to really be do- doing a disservice to what you could be doing with a DC shared universe, which is has a lot of potential. And yeah. it feels like they're not quite getting there. No. Two. I assume we're wrapping up pretty soon. But like two quick things on this that I just wanted to mention. Everyone's holding up iPads in this movie. <laughs> There are so many times where someone just holds up an iPad and shows it to someone else and then you get to see what's on the iPad. Sometimes that's a live cut to uh, Amanda Waller. Sometimes it's like some footage of... At one point they showed Diablo video of himself from a prison riot from earlier, which we've already seen once, I think. And then then that's... Yeah, I don't know why, but there's there's better ways to handle that. Um, And then... Also, there are a bunch of guns that feel like they're leftover props from Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet. Oh yeah, yeah. There was what? Yeah, what was Harley that? has a so gun that's got like that? love and hate written on but the chambers. Was, is that a thing from the comics or something? I like, assume that's just like because they were all Joker or Harley related guns. Yeah. So I assume that they're just like you know, repossessed guns with theirs. Yeah, just everything mm. we do has to be somehow you know changed to be more like our stuff. Like yeah. if I get a bat, I have to write a bunch of stuff on the bat. Or yeah, I, you know, mm. I can't just have a regular bat mm. um, uh, it, yeah the, it's a real it's a shame because there were some there were some cool parts of it but yeah. it just it just didn't do it for me mm. yeah same I, I think it, it could have been really good but it was just a bit of a flop for me mm. Mm. did you stick around to the end of the credits I only I only saw the mid credits I think uh, there only steam. was a mid credits yeah I assumed there wasn't an end credits when I just left I had an argument with Steph do you think oh. in that mid credits sting <laughs> <laughs> we're not this, speaking, we're not speaking anymore. <laughs> um, do you think in that mid-credits sting uh, that Amanda Waller knows that Bruce Wayne is Batman? Oh yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I do. Mm. But part of that is because she knows that in the comics as well. They—that's a thing that Amanda Waller has like dropped hints to Batman or to Bruce Wayne that she knows, and that it's kind of a leverage thing for her. Okay. And but- I would buy that, given how they set her up as knowing everything about everyone for leverage. Leverage mm-hmm. is her biggest thing. Yeah. I reckon she does. But even without the comics, I think it's very obvious from the dynamic in that scene that they both know that Amanda knows his secret. Mm, I they don't know. Also- I, I mean, she definitely knows. 
She knows something. I, d- I don't know whether she knows that. Like Maybe she, she thinks he's Robin. Is that what you're saying? Or Hawkman? <laughs> oh, what if she thinks he's Hawkman? Like, Guys, get your Hawkman movie off the ground. Yeah. Unintended. Uh, but she, she says, like, you, you should stop yeah, working nights. I, I, I just, I, th- I don't know. I just didn't. Yeah, and and right, Bruce Wayne, to, Bruce Wayne was clearly not one. doing his whole Playboy idiot persona. He was clearly doing more of a Batman persona. Well, so far in these, well, yeah, so far mm. in the DC movies, they've been very cavalier about secret identities. Yes. and this is a problem I have with Batman v Superman, which we'll get to when we eventually do that movie. Mm. But that no one seems Jeez. to give a shit about secret identities. Everyone's mm. just treating each other like they are both yeah. Clark Kent and Superman or yeah. Bruce Wayne That's and Batman. True. And there's never any revelation. Yeah. So that kind of fit with it for me. It's like, oh, okay, well, everyone else seems to know that he's Batman. And actually, I will say that's probably the best argument for what um, for, for that she knows so far. That that you, that point yes. you just made. <laughs> All right, Bruce go. Wayne just accidentally let it slip. It's like, so I was in my Batmobile. Oh, shit. I mean... <laughs> I'm in my regular car. Yeah, okay. I'm in my normal car. My my normal white car. <laughs> the, the 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 anger that um, Ben Affleck plays Bruce Wayne with most of the time because of the sort of uh, the story that they're telling yeah. with him so far seems to imply that maybe he doesn't give a shit anymore. Like he's mm. just I'm there Batman. What are you going to do? Old man Batman. And yeah, definitely. We're seeing him at a different life stage than we have before. Yeah. So, that's so I don't mind that. I don't. Yeah. I don't need mm. to spend a whole lot of time getting into like. Oh, I'm just a cavalier playboy. I've said cavalier twice now. I'm sorry <laughs> That's about that. It's my word of the day, apparently. Oh, so well, problematic is my word of the day as mm. much as I hate it. All right, guys. Um, that's it for this week. We'll be back with another episode soon. And uh, in the meantime, you can uh, follow us on Twitter, TCA Pod, uh, or you can search for us on Facebook. Please let us know if there's a film you want us to talk about or any other questions or do comments. Do we still have a Tumblr? Uh, we do. Um, I'm going to convert it to our, at one point, I'm going to convert it to a proper website. Okay. Because at the moment, it's sort of our makeshift homepage. Right. Oh, hey, check out our homepage on Tumblr. <laughs> uh, I think it's just tcapod.tumblr.com or something Yeah, like sure. That. Get that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If it's not that, get that and sell it to us. <laughs> um, uh, Owen, any cool, uh, um, what is it you do? Improv? <laughs> what, what's what, what what's your that? bullshit? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, usual thing. I'm an improviser. You can see me in regular shows at the Improv Conspiracy. Find out at, uh, more details at improvconspiracy.com. Coming up to Fringe, I, don't, I assume this one's coming out pretty soon, but yeah. uh, in late September, early October, we're going to have the Melbourne Fringe Festival. I will be in a bunch of Sooth Players shows. That's cool. my improvised Shakespeare thing. Um, so just in case we don't get more episodes out there by then, go go look for that. And that's the Melbourne Fringe Festival to our I international listeners. I said Melbourne. I think you said French. I, yeah, said and both. then I said, you know what? This isn't one of <laughs> this isn't one of your mid credit sting <laughs> arguments. Okay, I know what I said. <laughs> Kyle, anything? Uh, yep, you can hear my other podcast on Australian history at laststoptonowhere.com. Uh, and um, listen to 3MBS FM, 103.5 FM, or uh, online and on digital. Um, it's a classical music community station in Melbourne, and I present Arts Weekly on Saturdays there. Um, and support local radio. Uh, that's, that's it from us. Uh, may your villains be friendly. And may your short shorts be sparkly. <laughs> and your fishnets be ripped. And your hair be dipped in different colours. And your Australians be stereotypical. Knock back those tinnies. (laughs) Bye. Bye.